my girlfriend got so upset, you know, emotionally just being there that she's like, we have to leave this floor now. Welcome to Your Ghost Stories podcast, the weekly podcast that explores eerie encounters, spine-tingling true stories, and haunting true tales that defy rational explanation. Each week, we bring you first-hand accounts from our guests who tell us all about their experience, from ghostly apparitions to poltergeist activity and encounters with otherworldly beings. We leave no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the truth behind this mysterious phenomena. Gather your courage and prepare to be captivated. You're listening to Your Ghost Stories. Your Ghost Stories. This week we have Brandon Schecksnyder, host and producer of the brilliant Southern Gothic podcast, a show with over 1 million downloads. Brandon is a truly great storyteller that dives deep into cases of Southern America's haunted history. Just before we get started, if you're enjoying the podcast, the best thing you can do to support the show is by simply hitting the follow button or by leaving us some feedback in a review section or whatever platform you're listening on. Without further ado, we'd like to introduce Brandon onto the show. So welcome to the show, Brandon. It's great to have you on board. We've been listening to a few episodes over the last few weeks, and we've got to say we're super, super impressed by your presentation and production skills. So it really is an honor to have you here. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and your podcast, Southern Gothic. First of all, thank you guys for having me on. It's a it's a pleasure to be here. Um, yeah, I have a show. It's called Southern Gothic. Uh, we explore kind of the dark history and urban legends and old folklore of the American South. Uh, I do a lot of ghost stories, a lot of things of that nature. And of course, kind of dive into the history around it as well, rather than just the paranormal angle. Kind of look at it as a story and a contextual piece as well. Yeah. I've been listening to uh, quite a few of your episodes while I've been at work and uh, there's no question in your skills to not only tell a story but to really bring it to life and uh, captivate the audience. But um, what set your uh, what set you on your path to uh, create in the Southern Gothic podcast? Well, I'm an audio engineer by trade. Uh, so originally I was in I was in the world of music. I had a long career making country records out in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, hanging out with the, with that, those kind of cats and um but you know so when podcasting came about and and podcasting kind of sprung up, I, I always thought, you know, I want to, I want to do that too. Uh, I want to do that. Uh, there's something about that medium that I thought was interesting. And uh, being an audio engineer, I, uh, I knew that I could make a product or I could, I, I hate calling it a product. I knew that I could make this piece of art, this piece, something creative uh, that was different than other people. And it was just kind of deciding which interest I, I really wanted to foster in the process of making that. And uh, I've always been, I'm from New Orleans, born and raised in New Orleans, and have kind of always been around these kind of ghost stories and legends and all this kind of dark stuff. And, uh, you know, it grew up in this kind of world and and I've been deeply fascinated with haunted tourism and things like that. So it, it was kind of a match made in heaven, you know, and uh 
you know, and I do almost all the music and all the sound effects on the show myself and all from kind of coming out of that background too. So, yeah. Very clear to hear uh, you have a um, audio engineer background. Uh, like I said at the start, your your production is really fantastic. And as I said to you, when we, when you joined this call, you know, we're, we're new to this, so we could really learn a lot from you. Um, and yeah, man, like it's, we, as I say, we've been listening to your show and um, we definitely encourage our listeners to go and do that as well. I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah. I know you've recorded so many episodes, so this is probably a tough one for you to answer. But out of all the episodes you've done, are there any ghost stories that have really stuck with you and are kind of always at the back of your mind? Sure. Well, uh, there's the ones that get stuck with me are the ones that just have rabbit holes that I would never have enough time to go down. You know, so it's less that like it's an extra scary haunting that I lose sleep over. It's less something of that nature. It's more the ones that are just really research heavy. Um, and the one that just without a doubt, I tell everybody, I, if I, all my friends are tired of me talking about that kind of story. There's, there's just one that's really kind of come through. It's, it's about a woman named Julia Brown, who uh, folks believed was a voodoo priestess. Uh, she lived outside in the swamp outside of New Orleans in the early 1900s. And um, essentially, uh, she lived out in this small community of German farmers. So it was like blonde hair, blue eyed dudes out there, you know, with their families cutting down cypress trees and all. And here's this, this woman who was, you know, purportedly born enslaved as this was a black woman who owned 40 acres out there in the swamp in this isolated little community. And according to the legend, they say that, you know, she, she was a bit of like a midwife for him. She practiced voodoo and helped healing and all, and eventually kind of, uh, her relationship with the town out there in the swamp started to sour and um, she didn't really like the folks in town. Right. And, or, you know, purportedly according to the legend, right. And she started sitting on the, uh, on her porch outside of town and she was singing this song to everybody. When I die, I'll take the whole town with me. When I die, I'll take the whole town with me. And, you know, and, and she lived a few more years, lived into, I believe it was mid eighties, her mid eighties. I mean, um, and in 1915, she passed away in September of 1915. And two days later, this immense hurricane came and devastated the entire community. Uh, all the folks in town were actually at her funeral when this hurricane plowed through southeastern Louisiana. Over 200 people died this day. And of course, folks to this day claim that that was her cursing this town. This town's no longer there. It's called Frenier, uh, that that she was singing and she was cursing the town. And um and I've been become obsessed with this story. We could talk about this story for for five hours. Um, my sister researches the the show with me. Um, this is kind of a, a family show in a lot of ways. She's the kind of quiet partner. Uh, she's a, an archivist by trade. She works at the Louisiana State Museum. Um, she's a heavy researcher, a master's in library and information sciences. And um, the amount of information we've found on this woman from census records to marriage licenses. And we've found this like, this figure, this dark folkloric figure of that southeastern Louisiana area. And we've found all of these, these pieces about her real life over the years. And we are constantly looking for new angles to find out more information about her. And for some reason, cannot let this one story go. And um, I, I think it's almost serendipitous. I think she's like egging us on you know, from her afterlife, like, like, come on, tell, tell more people about me, you know, keep pushing this buddy, you know, like keep, keep going. And um, yeah. So, so it's called Julia Brown. If you guys, you know, if you listen to the podcast, uh, you know, we have a show, I believe it's called the curse of Julia Brown, I believe was the episode's name. Um, 
it's a it's a deep dive kind of into that. And ironically, because I'm so obsessed, even if you check out this episode and hear more about the story, uh, we've found probably twice as much information since we put the episode out because we've just, you know, it's just been such a problematic researcher rabbit hole problem. So yeah. <laughs> so I can't let some go for sure. <laughs> Oh, Brandon, thank you for sharing that with us. Um, yeah. yeah, it sounds like a great story and we're really looking forward to diving into your, your podcast to listen to more. You sound incredibly passionate about history and the paranormal. Have you always been interested in these fields since a young age? Sure. It sounds like you've put some extensive research into the stories you come across. Yes. Yeah. So I, you know, I grew up, my sister and I, our parents were genealogists, were, were, were amateur genealogists back when we were children. And, you know, I'm 40. So this was when we were children, they, they didn't have Ancestry.com. They didn't have all these digitized records and all the internet to do genealogy. So, you know, as children, they drug us around the cemeteries to, to go like take pictures of headstones for dates and finding, you know, going to these little old churches that they were basically almost abandoned just to find records you know, on, on family and just up and down the Mississippi coast down in New Orleans. So, um, you know, from, uh, from that kind of atmosphere of going to cemeteries all the time, as well as this kind of research bug that my sister caught more than I do, uh, you know, it's certainly something that, that I joke was, was kind of, you know, it, it was fostered early on, you know, and, um, a lot of, a lot of my passion about history and a lot of stuff like that is, I enjoy telling stories and I think um, I enjoy, uh, I enjoy looking at ghost stories and looking at things as, as these are people and, uh, and really trying to dive into a piece of history, not as dates or cause and effect, but you know, these are people's lives. And uh, that's been a blast over the years, you know, doing that for sure. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, on, on your episodes, it really does come across as uh y- you feel like you're almost there listening to that person um, with that uh, first-hand experience. Um, compared to our tiny uh, island over here in the UK, the American South is, uh, is such a vast place. Do you find it uh, quite an overwhelming task at times to um, find out and research new stories, or do you find that they somehow uh, find you in a way, be that via your listeners or something that just catches your eye? I would think you guys have more than me. <laughs> uh, we don't, I mean, uh, y'all have history. We have like, we're like toddlers compared to y'all, right? Uh, when it when it comes to time and, and you know, the the South itself, when it comes to finding stories, it's, it's not too terribly difficult. Um, you know, fortunately, I've built up a large enough audience, you know, folks will send in ideas. Uh, you know, as you research, uh, you end up finding other places. I, I like to travel a lot. I really, about once a month, I'll try and go out to a couple of locations or things like that. Um, I really, I, I buy a lot of books. Uh, I definitely, and I like to buy a lot of older out of print books and like to go to those, you know, strange little book sales and all, you know, because there's stories in there that, that, that could die. They could go away, right? Their story, maybe, you know, maybe a ghost story or something about a, a house that, you know, was published in the seventies, but because, you know, the ghost adventures didn't come to town and, and go running around in this house, you know, people might forget about it. Right. So, you know, I like finding stories and ways like that. Um, but to your point about the differences in kind of, uh, of history, you know, one of the things that, that is really unique unique to the American South that's interesting is that, you know, we don't have a large time period. We, 
we kind of have this, you know, the Spanish came over in the, in the mid 1500s and, you know, and then you kind of have this smattering of all these cultures, you know, all this colonialism came, you know, in this, this fairly brief period of time when, when, you know, when it was colonial North America, you know, you're looking at, you know, about 400 year period of time where all these, all these different cultures all got smashed together in this tiny little place, you know, where you had, you know, you had the, uh, the, the colonial, the, the British colonial, the Spanish colonial, the French colonial, you know, and then you, you factor in all the, the, uh, Atlantic, the, uh, Atlantic slave trades. So you have all the African cultures that are being forced to come in and infused within and all on top of this, you know, indigenous land, you know, where indigenous people are living. And, and that caused so much horrific conflict in this relatively short period of time with these different cultures that it's not hard to find haunted places because of all of that, that fighting, um, as well as it's not hard to find folklore. That's kind of unique because a lot of these cultures brought with them their own kind of stories that would then meld with this new environment, if you will. So, you know, we might have stories that would be very similar to what you guys have there, but might take on almost a different, you know, it's, it's, it would be, you know, the folks who came to North America 300 years ago from where you're at, right. Like brought the stories that you know of from 500 years ago, but somehow it's morphed into this small town story with, you know, blonde hair, blue eyed, you know, super, you know, Southern, <laughs> the hillbillified version or something, if you will, you know? So, uh, uh, you know, it's it's kind of got a unique place because of this just mass amount of tension so quickly and with all these different cultures. And and that that's what I find fascinating ultimately. Yeah. I do remember, um, I'm probably going to get it wrong, but um, a story about um, some of the set, uh, settlers from uh, England going over to um, America. And uh, I can't remember, one person had to go back to the UK. And when they come back, the entire settlement was, um, there was no one left. And uh, I, th I think, was it Roanoke? I can't, I probably am not pronouncing Roanoke. it. Roanoke. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was Roanoke. Car yeah, carved a... on the tree. And uh, that's, mm -hmm. what, that's always uh, spun um, so many different uh, conspiracies and sort of... Uh, rabbit holes to, to go, like dive down but yeah i always found that one uh quite fascinating along with um tales of cryptids and uh, things such as um bigfoot i mean uh, or sasquatch yeah. i've always found uh those sort of things uh, interesting but we have um over here in the in the uk we have um up in the north sort of area we have something called a uh, a wood wood woes and uh, uh -huh. that they're meant to be like the UK's sort of like version of a of a Bigfoot. Not not that I've ever seen any, but um yeah. I've always found those sort of like uh rumors and sort of things like deeply fascinating as well. Something just to scare you yeah. while you're out in the woods, like, what was that? <laughs> Well, we have, I, I grew up in Louisiana, so it was most of my background and my ancestry is French and German. And, um, so we have, we have this Cajun creature that's, that's really central to Louisiana called the Rougarou. And it's like a swamp werewolf. But when you really dig into it, it's this werewolf that really is like just 100 flat or straight lines right back to old French folklore to where here it is, it's French settlers. They have these werewolves over here. They have this and, 
And then they came to the swamps and they just kind of made up a new creature based on that. You know, like they kind of brought this, this folklore. Now, no, if something's out in the woods, maybe it is. I, I mean, you know what I mean? Like maybe, maybe there really is something out there in the swamp, but this was the lens that they brought over. So it's exactly to your point, you know, it's, it's, we, we've almost bastardized a lot of what you guys had originally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think I vaguely remember um, hearing a story about, it must've been in France of this huge, like gigantic wolf that was um, terrorizing a local town or a village. And um, I don't know if it was uh, yeah. killing people or not, but yeah. It was a uh, Labette was what they called That's it. It was it, the yeah. beast of it, it starts with a G, but I will butcher pronunciation, <laughs> so I won't say it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fascinating how, you know, um, these sort of like stories and tales can just, you know, people carry them with them and then other people sort of like just adopt them, you know, for their own sort of thing and make their own story uh, out of it. But um, yeah, sort of part of uh, telling stories, I, I suppose. So, Brandon, over the years of hosting Southern Gothic, how would you say it has influenced your personal beliefs or perceptions about supernatural phenomena? Uh, that's an interesting one because it, it has entirely changed because, uh, you know, I came at this with a, with a fairly skeptical mindset. Obviously I, I had a passion for this type of stuff, um, but viewed a lot of it as a historical piece. Right. And, um, what I've found over the years is, A, when you tell stories like this, you anyone you ever meet, if they find out what you do for a living, you're going to hear about their weirdest day, period. I mean, they're going to tell you about the weirdest thing that ever happened to them. Uh, so so I've learned a lot about other people's experiences as well. And, and the deeper I dive in, it's interesting because it's the more I believe in the paranormal, but the less of the paranormal I believe in, if that makes sense. Um, you know, it, it seems like about 99.9% of, of the stories we tell and the things we hear and these experiences that, that, that might be discussed to me, uh, feel a lot shadier. They feel a lot more, you know, uh, poorly understood or, or things that, or, or might just be us convincing ourselves of something. But, uh, but I have become very, very firm in the idea that there is this sliver in there, there is this piece, you know, that, that every now and then it feels like we touch on that is so unexplainable that I think we're, we're not even touching the surface or scratching the surface and understanding, you know, and, and we could talk all sorts of different theories about, you know, go into the paranormal about what these things are, what they might not be, uh, you know, my own belief it's evolved, you know, a lot in different ways. I, I really tend to looking at the paranormal a lot from from this this concept called the uh, the trickster in the paranormal where um it's it's kind of this this framework or the, this idea of theory that that this actually uh, what we see as ghosts and see a lot of these phenomenon might actually in some ways be all one type of spiritual entity that's manifesting in different ways um this might not be your ancestor this might not be that this might be this and for some reason right now that has seemed attractive to me for the last few months and in, in some of the, you know, reading I've done and, you know, that'll evolve again, I'm sure. But um, I tell people even with, when you dig in, one of the thing that is so fun and so entertaining and, and, and stimulating about this is the fact that it does evolve. You want it to, there's no, none of us here will ever know the answer as to what any of this is. Um, it's the search that, that, that is really the journey here. And uh, whether that's a cop-out or not, 
not, you know, it's, it's up to everybody else to decide, but it's a blast to do and it's a blast to talk about. So, yeah. That's an amazing answer. And you're so right into what you were saying about, I think 99% of the time in, in paranormal cases, there is, there is an answer or it's something to do with our powerful human minds that, that create this illusion that something's there or this, uh, this thing is happening. There is this 1% that cannot be explained. So in your opinion, what is a ghost or a spirit? What do you think happens to us after we die? Honestly, that's kind of where I'm at, that I'm comfortable with not really even having a total theory at the moment. Um, I, I feel like because of what I do, I've, I, I, can, I can give you 12 different theories depending on if we want to go voodoo, we want to go, you know, a Gullah Geechee culture, we want to go, you know, like what, what culture do you want to go into? And we could certainly, you know, run the gamut that way on what it is. But I almost feel now after, after as much as I learned that I'm even more confused too. <laughs> I don't know. I, you know, um, I, I don't know. I, I have no idea at this point. I am. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's the one thing that really is fascinating is throughout history. It's not just, you know, selective cultures that have had these experiences and encounters. It's every single culture across the world over thousands and thousands of years. Thankfully, we have people like yourself that uh, can carry on telling these tales so they don't just get lost in time. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I, I tell you, it's a, to your point about that 1%, you know, um, I, I went out to Waverly Hills Sanatorium in Kentucky, which is, you know, this really super popular um, haunted place. It's supposed, it's, you know, it's supposed to have these shadow people and incredibly popular on the tv shows very well known and did a overnight there um not an overnight but we did a midnight to 6 a.m i guess it's called an overnight right uh midnight to 6 a.m there uh there was a group of i think there were about 30 to 40 people who were given access basically to walk around the property in the middle of the night and um my girlfriend and i went and a lot of the folks there brought a lot of devices and tools and the ghost hunting equipment. And, you know, we're all searching for evidence and, you know, we'd kind of, you know, we might happen upon a group of them and they're freaking out because they think they found this or the light did this and, you know, had that, um, and, you know, and just all these, you know, kind of seeing that what people were interpreting as they had interacted with a spirit at one point. And, you know, a, a lot of that felt, you know, um, very insincere, maybe, maybe insincere is not the word, very, very kind of self-fulfilling, right? Uh, but, you know, uh, there was a point when we were on the third floor and we were walking by the children's floor where, you know, like my girlfriend got so upset, you know, emotionally just being there that she's like, we have to leave this floor now, you know, and, and that felt very tangible. And that, I don't know if there was a spirit involved. It could have been her own anxiety from being there. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, so as you talk about, here's all these experiences we have, all this evidence you could kind of force or come up with, you know, but at the end of the day, what is the energy in that building and what's there that's kind of coming off of this place? When you were saying about um, being out on an excursion with, with people, I myself have been on um, a ghost hunt in a group and uh, they make you stand in for instance the place i went they made us all stand in the barn no lights in there the wind was whistling through we all had to hold it hold like each other's hand and i had like uh some girl to the left of me and then this like big rugby player type guy to the right of me and um uh, 
they had these uh, cat ball type things where um, when cats play with them, they would light up. So they had a load of them sort of just laying around the place. And um, I remember one going off and this guy just squeezed my hand. I was like, oh, God. But yeah, in, in, in as what you're saying, it's um, it's just the energy in that room. And I think a lot of it was just everyone feeding off of everyone else. Um, so I I am a bit sceptical in that sense where, um, when you are, when we are going on like a ghost hunt or something. But then from my own personal experience, I, I used to work in a pub. And uh, one early morning, about five o'clock in the morning, I was doing the um, procedures of uh, opening the pub up. And I saw someone walk into like the cellar where all the beer cakes were. And I was thinking it was my other sort of like the manager above me. So I've gone in there to ask him a question. And then the lights turn on and I'm like, there's no one been in here. But I clearly saw like someone walk in there. So, yeah, it's just things like that. I do find, uh, again, you know, I'm absolutely fascinated with the paranormal as through, uh, through my own experiences as well as uh, what Jamie's had. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to sort of uh, make a point on um, the the last uh, last uh, topic that we was talking about. Yeah, I'm skeptical a lot when when you go on the group hunts. It's um, I, I was one. I was at one recently. I went to uh, the Haunted America conference, and it was outside of St. Louis. Um, so it's right off the Mississippi River, and they have this mansion. There's called the McPike Mansion, and they had a big group hunt. And um, this this mansion, I, I I knew the gentleman who's leading it. I 100% believe his sincerity, 100% believe everyone involved sincerity that I, I think this place is haunted. If, if anywhere is, it is, but, but the experience of going to a haunted location with 30 people and folks running around with these little electronic meters and, you know, trying to talk to the air. I struggle with that. <laughs> you know, if it was, if it was three of us, if the gentleman who took this tour, if it was three of us and we're going and we're patiently sitting in this room and, and, you know, slowly working, but I, I tell you, we went, we went, went behind the mansion and there was, there's a crypt back there that, that might've been a family tomb from this mansion. And, um, you know, and he's very, talking through with several people about how, you know, this is what this is. And, you know, sometimes, you know, this is an experience I've had here, you know, and, and he takes his EMF reader and he kind of puts it down. He says, sometimes I can, you know, interact with them and you can see this and, you know, and all these people pull out their like ghost tube app phone things. Right. And, and they all kind of throw it down on the crypt right around the EMF meter and the EMF reader just goes up because all the phones are around it, you know? And um, so, yeah, I, it's exactly, you know, there's, it's difficult in some of the framework of, 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 of the more pop popular culture ghost hunting is a, yeah, <laughs> certainly something I mean, we could skip from time to time for sure. <laughs> so as you know, Brandon, our podcast is called Your Ghost Stories. So we love to hear people's personal paranormal tales on this show. So can you tell us some more of your own personal tales? Sure. Yeah. Well, I told you about, you know, like, like Waverly Hills, uh, that was something that definitely you know, impacted my girlfriend. Um, you know, we had kind of gone looking for that. Uh, I told you a little bit about Julia Brown, you know, and I told you about how, you know, I, I joke about being obsessed with that. Uh, and part of that is because, you know, whether serendipity wise or not, we kind of feel like, 
I really do feel like that if if she still kind of you know has some type of interaction from beyond the veil that that she is looking out for us because uh, frequently when I tell her story or things have happened over the years for us, it's almost always been associated with something related to her. Um, we had uh, just uh, several years ago, Hurricane Ida was coming through Louisiana. And um, it was coming through Louisiana and New Orleans. And my sister still lives down there. My my family still lives down. My parents still live down there. I live up in Nashville, Tennessee. It's a Civil War area. Um, but they live down in New Orleans. And my sister just so happened to be that night was writing an article about Julia Brown or, or that week about Julia Brown for this uh, this this paranormal journal. Uh, she was trying to just this was only the second. This is the first time she'd be published ever in a paranormal type you know, work in a book. And she chose, obviously she chose this topic and, and she called me, you know, in the evening before everything was going on and said, uh, you know, I'm going over, uh, going to go going over our parents' house tonight. You know, I'm going to, I just finished this article, just hit send on this article, sent this article in, and I'm going to go over to our parents' house tonight and um, stay with them. And uh, I'm going to light a candle for Julia. Maybe she'll take care of us, you know, and, you know, and everything went through and, and New Orleans lost electricity for about a month almost after that hurricane. But my sister the next day, you know, kind of walking out and just all the damage and debris and everything, she decides to go drive down her house. And, you know, sure enough, I mean, there's a branch that, I mean, almost waist, almost waist thickness, you know, just a giant branch of this giant oak tree uh, came plowing down uh, right by her bedroom, you know, just, I mean, inches away from the bedroom. And, um, you know, I, I look at some of those things and enough of these small things have been related to us when these key moments of us kind of, you know, telling this woman's stories, story that, that it's almost become comical how much it, it happens. Um, how much these, these really, I don't know if it's synchronicity or, or maybe it, it is, or it isn't that, that we kind of joke that she really is looking out for us. And uh, a part of me believes that, but, um, as for actual apparitions and things of that nature, you know, I, I don't know if, I don't know if I've ever experienced, I, I can't say with hundred percent certainty that I've ever experienced anything uh, of that type of nature. I've been in positions before uh, going on some of these location type things and, and going on some of these tours and these ghost hunt things where uh, I've definitely seen uh, things that sh seen and felt those things that have kind of shook me to the core. And they were almost always unrelated to what the key story was. They were almost, it was always like a, there's a, a location here by this old battlefield that um, folks talk about this one apparition shows up and it was this person in the past and all. And, you know, went, I, I went by this place once and had nothing to do with the ghost story, something else. I kind of experienced this other kind of apparition there and this other, what, what I thought might've been or not. And it, it felt like this energy had just kind of pulsed out through me and it felt even more, I, I don't, it felt even more honest of a, of a, of an experience because it wasn't attached to what's been said, if that makes sense. It wasn't attached to this historic expectation of this place. Um, so, so really to answer your question, I, you know, I, I don't have a, a, a definitive ghost story that really has ever shocked me. It's kind of always been these little brushes of if I tell stories well, if I, if I talk about them well, it seems that in certain scenarios, 
things happen. If, uh, you know, if I, uh, if I go to places with an open mind, you know, I might experience something that I, I don't even expect at that point. Yeah. Do you believe potentially having this thought kind of locked deep inside you that somehow you're manifesting these things to happen around you? You know, I've, I've toyed a lot with this concept of the tulpa, right? Right. Of, you know, it's kind of almost, almost the opposite of the trickster because this is, you know, the trickster might be the same thing everywhere versus the tulpa is like, you create this, this thing. And I, I, I don't know if I'm making that true, but certainly when it comes to historic ghost stories, like I tell, if there were to be something like that, you know, why is it, why is it that, you know, you have this home and again, you know, the American South is toddlers in history compared to y'all. Why is it that you have this home that's 250 years old that, you know, this, this one daughter of this rich guy haunts because, you know, she died as a teenager. Why is it she's the, why is she the ghost in this place when this gentleman also owned 300 enslaved men that lived horrific lives on the property, right? Like, why is that, you know? And, you know, you can look at it culturally and say, well, it's because that's the story that, you know, like the, the you know, people want to tell that the story of the little blonde hair, blue eyed girl, right? Or, you know, maybe, maybe it's, we're making that shit up, <laughs> you know, maybe it is because we, we keep seeing this blonde hair, blue eyed girl, because that's the story we've been told. And now we are forcing this kind of, kind of thing coming out there. So, yeah. What terrifies me really is, um, after I pass on of, uh, being stuck here and being one of those ghosts that they not end up becoming a legend. Well, not a legend, but, uh, maybe a myth, but I, that that kind of uh, keeps me awake some nights thinking you know god i've i've lived one life i don't want to live another eternity uh, <laughs> as a ghost not not being able to uh, experience anything but um over here well in scotland we have uh, one of the most haunted uh, graveyards in the world it's called a uh, greyfriars um I think, I think it's called kirkyard and um they they say it's one of the most dangerous ghost tours to go on because so many people um, either fall ill, uh, end up with scratches on them, and sometimes they even, um, just as the tour's about to start, if if there's anyone who's, who starts to say, oh, I feel a bit funny, they won't let them into the tour because they say you're, you're like, you've been targeted, they don't like you. <laughs> so um, who, who knows? it? I mean, it could be like sort of a mass hysteria Um was it folio do? Is that madness for two? I think that one's well. I mean, or it's two. real. <laughs> that's yeah. the that's like the the thing that you go back. Yeah, it, it, or it's real, and it's not even the reason you thought it was real, right? I mean, that's yeah. the, that's the thing that I the the thing that I enjoy, you know, kind of considering. But yeah, going back to the South, um, in your opinion, what makes the Southern American history and law unique compared to other regions? This little chunk of history, the way that you know, all these cultures kind of all just got smashed together and intermingled. You know, I think that's ultimately uh, what makes this part, you know, this, this place interesting. It, it's almost, um, you know, it's a culture that has come from the conflict of other cultures versus a culture that's, you know, had time to grow in an isolated way, you know, um, 
nobody, uh, uh, you know, other than, you know, unless you were an indigenous person here to this, uh, you know, 99% of the people you're going to meet out here, you know, their, their ancestry doesn't go farther back in this country than, you know, 200, 300 years. And, um, and I think that that kind of says a lot about this particular area. Now, you know, other places in North America certainly are similar, but, you know, the amount of, of, of strife here and, you know, that kind of war that we're, we're kind of the American civil war being like right on the heels of, and, you know, the after effects uh, to me, I, I believe still kind of linger a lot, you know, sociologically and politically here. It's, um, I just, it, it breeds a different kind of atmosphere to it. Um, that's, it's, it's kind of got its own thing, you know? Um, but I will say, you know, when I, when I talk about, you know, Gothic, the way I call it Southern Gothic, uh, one of the reasons I look at it from that Gothic perspective in that as a, as a sort of genre is in the old fashion of like a Dracula type where, you know, in a way that is a European Gothic where, you know, you think about those genres sprung up as, you know, this kind of uh, end of the aristocracy and these, these castles and all are, are falling down and they're just, you know, yeah, uh, you know, this is, this is old family money from hundreds of years and, you know, and ruled everybody. And now they're crumbling apart. You know, you think of Gothic that way, you know, the South has this element from that kind of plantation aristocracy that kind of, uh, harkens back to that, that, the. The, the palaces or the, you know, the castles of, you know, old Europe. So, yeah. Brandon, you are a fantastic speaker and storyteller, and it really is a privilege to have you here. We could sit and listen to your stories all day long, but we know uh, you're a busy guy. So uh, we're going to let you go and carry on with your podcasting. Do you have any more podcasts lined up? You know, we have an episode comes out every two weeks and, uh, you know, we just got done planning, uh, planning our schedule through the end of the year and some, some fun Halloween October stuff coming up. So excited about what's to come for sure. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we can't wait to hear it. And as I said before, we really encourage our listeners to go and listen to Southern Gothic. You will be very, very impressed. Where would be the best place for our listeners uh, to find you? Apps, Apple, Spotify, uh, Castbox, any of those apps uh, that you normally listen to this podcast, or you can visit the website for more info. It is southerngothicmedia.com. You certainly got the voice for podcasting, Brandon. <laughs> In front of a microphone, way too much already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's been great to have you, man. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank much. you guys for having me for sure. Yeah. Thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Your Ghost Stories. If you'd like to be on the show to tell your story, please visit our website, www.yourghoststoriespodcast.com. We'll see you next Wednesday for another episode. Sleep tight.